0: Disney announces it won't move forward with a proposed $1 billion development deal in Orlando, supposedly in retaliation against Governor Ron DeSantis. But that isn't the real story. The U.S. military prepares for Pride Month, and Wired Magazine goes orgasmic over Pete Buttigieg. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash ben. Well, Disney is trying to spin dross into gold, and the media are there. They are eating it up. According to our legacy media, Disney has heroically stood up to the predations of Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, you'll remember that this whole fight started because last year, Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature pushed a bill that said that you cannot sexually indoctrinate kids up to the age of eight in the state of Florida. That's now been extended all the way through high school, that you're not allowed to teach kids sexual orientation and gender identity nonsense in the classroom. And Disney put out a statement saying this was just terrible. They opposed it with every fiber of their Mickey Mouse being. You must trans the kids. It's very very important that small children be told that boys can be girls and girls can be boys and that wherever you put your dingleberry, well, you know, that's just the same. It's all it's all it's all the same. There is just pure moral equivalence between all forms of sexual activity and all the rest. And Disney, Mickey Mouse is going to stand behind this particular form of morality. It was very very important that Disney take a stand. And Ron DeSantis was like, well, so here's the deal. If you guys decide to use the special privileges that we, the state of Florida, have given you to get involved in ultra-crepidarian pursuits in which you decide that you are going to simply sound off on everything that affects the state of Florida, but nothing that affects your business, well, uh, you know, you don't need that special tax district anymore. Because guess what? You don't get to take the special tax benefits. You don't get to take the, the carrot without the strings that are attached. That's not how any of this works. Now Disney is fighting back according to the media. So how are they fighting back? However, are they, they are fighting back by pulling the plug on a $1 billion development in Florida. According to the New York Times, in March, Disney called Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida anti-business for his scorched earth attempt to tighten oversight of the company's theme park resort near Orlando. Last month, when Disney sued the governor and his allies for what it called a targeted campaign of government retaliation, the company made clear that $17 billion in planned investment in Walt Disney World was on the line. Does the state want us to invest more, employ more people, and pay more taxes or not? said Robert Iger, Disney's chief executive. Now, there are a lot of people in the state of Florida who voted for Governor DeSantis, including people like me, my entire family, that say, well, hold up. So if the choice is between corporations that take special tax benefits and then use that largesse in order to press forward a bunch of social leftist garbage that undermines the standard of living in the state of Florida, keep your jobs in California, if that's the actual choice. But as it turns out, that's not really what's happening here. What's actually happening here is that Disney is now spinning the fact that they are in a state of economic freefall as a as a as a woke corporate stand. On Thursday, Iger and Josh Damaro Disney's theme park and consumer products chairman showed they were not bluffing pulling the plug on an office complex that was scheduled for construction in Orlando at a cost of roughly a billion dollars. It would have brought more than 2,000 Disney jobs to the region, with $120,000 as the average salary, according to an estimate from the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity. The project, near Lake Nona Town Center, was supposed to cost $864 million. Recent price estimates have been closer to $1.3 billion. Disney had planned to relocate as many as 2,000 employees from Southern California, including most of a department known as Imagineering, which works with Disney's movie studios to develop theme park attractions. Now, here is, here is the thing. Um, Disney was probably not going to do this. Disney was probably not going to do this. They announced the project in 2021. That was not under Bob Iger. That was under Bob Chapek. You remember, Chapek got his ass canned. And then they brought back Bob Iger from retirement to try to get Disney out of the state of free fall that it was in. DeMarro said in an email to employees on Thursday, he cited changing business conditions as a reason for canceling the Lake Nona project. He said, I remain optimistic about the direction of our Walt Disney World business. He noted that $17 billion was still earmarked for construction at Walt Disney World over the next decade, growth that would create an estimated 13,000 jobs. I hope we're able to. The memo did not even mention Governor DeSantis, but the company's battle with the governor and his allies in the Florida legislature figured prominently into Disney's decision to cancel the Lake Nona project, according to two people briefed on the matter, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss private deliberations. A spokeswoman for Mr. Iger said he was not available for an interview. So basically what happened here is that Disney does not have the money or the wherewithal right now to build a $1 billion project in Orlando. How do we know this? Because it is perfectly obvious to everyone. They lost subscribers last quarter for the first time ever. It was like 4 million subscribers they lost. Meanwhile, Disney has had to lay off something like 7,000 people. In fact, it was just a week ago or so that they announced that they were laying off a significant number of people. that was CNN that was pointing out that Disney was in the midst of mass layoffs I mean, this is literally from March 27th. Quote, Disney CEO Bob Iger on Monday said his company will begin laying off staff starting this week. The first of three rounds of expected cuts following his announcement in February, the company would ax 7,000 jobs. He put out a memo saying, quote, the difficult reality of many colleagues and friends leaving Disney is not something we take lightly. In tough moments, we must always do what is ensured, what is required to ensure Disney can continue delivering exceptional entertainment to audiences and guests around the world. So that's about 3% of its global workforce. Iger, by the way, back in November, actually announced that this thing was on the chopping block. Okay, so so this notion that this is something new, like it's brand new, that they're deciding to to kill the project, that, that is not true. Again, he said way back when, in November, that they were thinking about killing this thing. This is according to WDWNT, which is Walt Disney World News Today. CEO Bob Iger is hosting a town hall meeting today, November 28th, to discuss the company's future and address Lake Nona relocation. At this time, Iger is not prepared to change the current plan, but the relocation was delayed already until 2026. Iger said he had not made a decision and would look into the potential ramifications of relocating versus staying in California. Now, it is worth noting here that nobody seemed bothered by the fact that he was considering moving all these jobs from California. Right? California losing jobs is sort of the, nat- the, the natural status quo. It's the natural state of affairs. It's when Disney doesn't, doesn't move the jobs to Florida that all of a sudden there's a hue and cry. So apparently, California losing jobs is just the thing to be expected. Florida not gaining jobs is supposedly a massive change to the status quo. But as we'll get to in just one second, this isn't the whole story. This is not even remotely the whole story. We'll get to that momentarily first. Remember the first time you got a free phone? It was awesome. It started off feeling great. Then came the hefty activation fees, four-line requirements, and of course, the binding contract. Peer Talk is giving you a free 5G Samsung Galaxy phone without the feeling you've been duped. When you switch to PureTalk's Unlimited Talk and text a data plan that comes with the mobile hotspot, you'll get a 5G Samsung Galaxy for free. That's right, Unlimited Everything at a fraction of the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Here's another thing. You'll be on America's most dependable 5G network. How do I know? Well, because I am a customer. Make the switch on over to PureTalk, the cell phone wireless company I'm proud to stand behind because they are proud to stand behind our mission here at The Daily Wire. PureTalk's U.S. customer service team helped me make the switch. In as little as 10 minutes, I was even able to keep my phone number. Just head on over to puretalk.com. Get your free Samsung Galaxy when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Pure Talk is wireless for Americans by Americans. Again, this is a company that's going to give you great 5G coverage, and they don't hate your guts. And you get the free Samsung Galaxy phone when you sign up for unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data. puretalk.com slash Shapiro to get started. So, Governor Gavin Newsom thanked Disney, quote, that's 2,000 plus jobs that will be welcomed back with open arms to the Golden State. I love the fact that he has to rely on the largest of Disney just not to move the jobs. In the first place. Disney, of course, is, is trying to suggest that this is an act of, of heroism. But here's the thing. Buried way down in this New York Times article is the actual truth. The Lake Nona campus, about 20 miles from Disney World, near the Orlando International Airport, had been championed by Bob Chapek. Iger, who came out of retirement to retake Disney's reins, was much less enthusiastic about the project, even before the company became mired in its battle with DeSantis. As soon as he returned to Disney, Iger began telling lieutenants, for example, it made little sense to move Imagineering so far away from the Disney movie studios as he is fond of saying creative teams need to be together. And Iger has been systematically reversing Chapek's decisions since he joined. In February, he announced that Disney would restructure its inner workings, ending a framework put in place by Chapek. In March, as part of wide-ranging layoffs, Iger shut down, a 50-person metaverse project that Chapek had started. Disney is in the midst of cutting $5.5 billion in cost. In fact, Disney, just this week, announced that it would close an underperforming luxury hotel at Disney World. That luxury hotel was the Galactic Star Cruiser Experience, which lasted for about five seconds. It launched in March 2022, and its death date is May of 2023. That, that was, all, all it was, essentially, was a hotel that looked very much like the inside of a Star Wars ship. So if you like living on a submarine for $6,000 for a weekend, it was your kind of place. It was a place where like, the pictures look cool, but you actually wouldn't want to shell out that kind of money just to stay there. And again, that is, so is that also Ron DeSantis, or is it possible that Disney is having serious, real issues, business-wise, and they are seeing a very convenient way of spinning this into Bob Iger being some sort of hero of the left? I think we all know the answer to this. In fact, there is a, a, an account on YouTube. All he does is basically cover what happens at Disney, his Mickey views. He explained the cancellation, pointed out, uh, guys, this is just the economics of the situation. It has nothing to do with DeSantis.
1: For those of you who don't know, the Lake Nona project was previous CEO Bob Chapek's plan to build a new Disney headquarters inside of Florida in Lake Nona, a very nice planned community that is up and coming that you have near the airport in Orlando. It's a beautiful area. We made a video here on the channel about two years ago, taking a look at where this office was going to go, the land that Disney acquired. The media is spinning this cancellation as being due to DeSantis and the hostile business environment, uh, which he helped to create with Disney. I've been hearing for months Uh, that this is just a Chapek-era project that Iger wants nothing to do with. Uh, Look at how fast all these Chapek-era projects are just crumbling, turning to dust. You know, the reality is is that Disney has huge bills coming due on the streaming side. They're having issues on the earnings side of things, paying to build a big new campus, a big new headquarters in Florida, making people move from California, which is very unpopular internally and part of why Chapek was so unpopular inside the company. Iger's wiping his hands clean of this whole thing.
0: Uh, and, and here's the thing. You can see this perfectly well. You can see this perfectly well. This has nothing to do with DeSantis. Now, again, even if it did have something to do with DeSantis, and if the choice for conservatives was between corporations that require the largesse of government, like special corporate favors, in order to then take that money and turn around and club you socially in the halls of government, then the answer would be no. That is not a bargain that any conservative should stand for. Businesses are free to speak about whatever they want. They are. They're free to speak about whatever they want in any realm. But they are not free to take my money and your money and get special tax benefits. And then to use that largesse in order to involve themselves in areas of the economy that have nothing to do with them. Things that are not even economic in nature. I think most conservatives understand this at this point. That if you leave the field completely empty for the left, that basically corporations get to become tools of left-wing governments, taking the benefits and then pushing left-wing policy. And meanwhile, the government is left-wing, pushing left-wing policy. Then there is no point of actual opposition that can be formed. And if if the deal for Disney is the minute that the that, that, that link is severed, the minute you lose the special the special tax benefit, and you lost it because you effed around and found out that you all of a sudden are going to run some other state that's going to provide you with the with largess to be able to be as left-wing crazy as you want, including the transing of the kids, and you get the tax benefits, well then, good riddance. Catch you later. But that isn't the actual story here. Again, as I keep pointing out, as I keep pointing out here, Disney is doing this because they are losing money. Disney has a problem. Here's a chart of Disney stock price. Okay, Disney stock price starting in 2021. Okay, look at that. As of like February of 2021, it was trading at close to $200 a share. If you look at that, the height of that stock price, it is now trading at some historic lows since like 2018. In fact, apart from the brief period at the beginning of the pandemic, when all stocks crashed, what you see is that they're now at the lowest ebb in their stock price on average since like mid-2022 that they've been any time in the last five years. They're losing subscribers. The stock price right now is trading at like $93.76. That's what it closed at yesterday. At its height, it was trading at almost $200 a share. So it is down by more than half in terms of its stock price. So... I'll put it up to you. Do you think that this was Bob Iger looking at the fact that they have been bleeding money and saying we're not spending a billion dollars on a campus that just moves some employees from one state to another? Do you think it's that, the bleeding of the money? Or do you think that he was just that invested in making sure that third graders could read gender queer at the library? Which one do you think it is? The media, of course, are eating all of this up. By the way, the hypocrisy of the media on these matters is truly astonishing. So do you remember, there was a time, wasn't that long ago, it was like 2020, that Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, irrepressibly stupid representative, from Brooklyn, you remember that she almost single-handedly killed Amazon relocating a jobs headquarters in New York City. It would have meant somewhere between, not 2,000 jobs like Orlando, 25,000 and 40,000 jobs in the city of New York. And what was she angry about? She wasn't angry that Amazon's some sort of right-wing corporation, because it's not. It turns out that Amazon is a pretty left-wing corporation. What she was really angry about was gentrification. Oh no, people will move and bring jobs into New York City. And so the project was killed. And then AOC suffered zero media consequences because the media said that she was some sort of hero for the little guy, nothing like losing jobs for no reason, not to protect children, not to actually fight back against some sort of ideological crusade just because she was quote-unquote or anti-big business. She was a heroine for killing, not 2,000, 25 to 40,000 jobs in New York City. So the hypocrisy of the media knows no bounds whatsoever. It's, it's, it's insane. In just one second, we'll get to Donald Trump reacting to this. And this, again, is going to, I think, illuminate the conflict in the Republican primary in some pretty significant ways. We'll get to that momentarily first. Picture the perfect summer night. The kids aren't actually bugging me for a change. The dog is behaving. All the family is over for a barbecue. Kids are in the pool. Everything's great. The grill should be sizzling with delicious food. But alas, the propane tank is empty. Oh, no. Tragedy has struck. This is where our friends at Cinch come in. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks right to your door on your schedule. They don't require any long-term commitment or subscription. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to wait around at home. Track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. By the way, this is, this actually happened to me when I didn't have Cinch, but it will never happen again because I do have Cinch. The perfect summer night wouldn't be complete without Cinch. Go to Cinch.com or download the Cinch app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get your first tank exchange for just $10. That's C-Y-N-C-H.com. Promo code Shapiro. It's a limited time offer. You have to live within a Cinch service area to actually redeem it. Visit cinch.com slash offer for details. Again, that's C-Y-N-C-H dot com. Promo code Shapiro. Get your first tank exchange for just 10 bucks and make your summer nights that much better. Okay, so Donald Trump is now reacting to all of this. He has put out a statement. Here's the thing about Trump. The reason that his fans like him that, like his uber fans like him, is because he will hit anybody with anything at any time. As I've said before, he's basically like a Warner Brothers cartoon character. He's just you're, There's a fight, Donald Trump reaches into his pocket, and you don't know whether he is going to take out a pincers, or whether he is going to take out a chainsaw, or perhaps a rubber hammer, or perhaps a fish. No one knows. No one knows. Okay, so people who love him, love him for this, that he will hit anybody with anything. And that means that if he's on your side, he'll hit your opponent with anything. Now, half the time he hits the opponent might actually be with one of those you know, like dinky party giveaway rubber hammers that, that, that squeaks like, or sometimes he actually hits somebody with like a two by four, and you don't know what's coming. But that, that's what his fans like about him. What his detractors or people who are skeptical of him don't like about him is that he has no principles. <laughs> so when I say he has no principles, that doesn't mean that he won't do the right things from time to time or, they, or, or a lot of the time. He did a lot of the right things when he was president of the United States. But in this primary, because Ron DeSantis is presumably going to run to Trump's right on literally every issue, Trump has therefore been taking the positions that are mirror images of the Democratic positions. Like they're indistinguishable. So here is Donald Trump's statement about Disney shutting down this project in Lake Nona. Again, there are only two possible positions on this from the conservative perspective, truly. Position one from the conservative perspective is, it's pretty obvious Disney did this for the money. Right? Disney did this because they were losing money. They weren't gonna do it anyway. And now they're trying to spin it into victory. Position two from a truly conservative perspective would be, if the choice is between corporate cronyism that comes along with left wing values and no corporate cor- cronyism that comes along with no left wing values, I choose B. OK, so what is Trump doing, especially Trump who portrays himself as the enemy of corporate America, right? Th- this is one of Trump's big sticks. I mean, it was one of the things that won him the nomination back in 2016 was Donald Trump coming out and saying, listen, I know how, I know how big business works. I've worked with them all my life, all my, all my, all my life, I've worked with them. So I know all the bodies are, I won't be beholden to them in the same way. No more corporate cronyism. That that was part of his shtick in 2016 and it worked. Well, now he's apparently on Disney's side of this fight. So he put out a statement called President Trump is always right. I mean, I don't know anybody who's always right. I mean, it's like the it's short list, like God, that's the end of the list. Truly, really nobody else. But President Trump is all, invariably. And oh, okay, so he put out a statement, quote, DeSanctis is being absolutely destroyed by Disney. His original PR plan fizzled, so now he's going back with a new one in order to save face. Disney's next move will be the announcement that no more money will be invested in Florida because of the governor. In fact, they could even announce a slow withdrawal or sale of certain properties or the whole thing. Watch, that would be a killer. In the meantime, this is also a necessary political stunt. Okay, that was from April 18th of 2023. So now he's saying, I predicted that Disney wouldn't be spending more money there. Okay, first of all, wow. Nostradamus there. Predict the next earthquake. You mean that Disney had already said publicly that they were going to do this, and then they did some of these things? Wow. mind blown. But beyond that, Trump put out a statement again that he is always right, and then he just harkened back to this truth social statement on April 18th, 2023. So now he's now taking the side of Disney. So question to Republicans. Who are you? Are you on the side of Ron DeSantis, or are you on the side of Disney? Do you wish to have a president who is beholden to major corporations to the extent that they are allowed to get tax benefits, like special tax districts, while they promote leftism up to and including the sexual indoctrination of children? Or are you on the side of not doing that? Megan, I understand that for a lot of Trump supporters, they look at that and they're like, Trump doesn't actually believe that. Like the fact that he doesn't have centralizing principles is the thing they like. This is why it's so hard to run against Trump, because a lot of the people who love Trump what well, what they are relying on is that he will instinctively react in the same way that they would to a serious attack on the right, and so if he's attacking the it's because it's an attack of convenience, and he's the guy that you need at the time because he's going. To, so so the idea that you're going to attack him on principle and then he's going to attack in unprincipled fashion that's actually a, a that's the feature, not the bug. But for those of us who are trying to discern, you know, who is going to be more predictably conservative in fighting the left in a meticulous fashion, this is a pretty easy. This is a pretty easy and obvious solution, right? I mean, DeSantis has been perfectly consistent along the line on this fight. Trump originally was anti-Disney. Then he was pro-Disney as soon as it became convenient for him to attack DeSantis over the Disney thing. And this, by the way, has been the pattern for Trump in this campaign. Like Trump has now sided with Disney at one point very early on. He seemed to side a little bit with Bud Light, right? Like whatever is convenient for him to do in order to attack DeSantis, he is doing. I find that Unprincipled. But again, for a lot of people, they're like, the unprincipledness is the point. He will do anything to win, and that's exactly what we need at this time. So I understand the pitch. I just don't agree with the pitch because I don't think that that's actually a pathway toward victory. Now, as we'll get to in just one second, Ron DeSantis is planning on entering the race next week in all likelihood. And the pitch that he is making, which is that Trump is not particularly electable, I may agree with it, but I don't think it's a particularly appealing pitch. He's going to have to go in another direction. I'll explain in one second first. As much as I love watching baseball and rooting for the White Sox, and it's been awful this season, prize picks. Actually makes it fun. Prize Picks is the easiest, fastest way to play daily fantasy sports. You pick two to six players you choose, whether they will score more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. There's no competition against other people; it's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks offers projections on pretty much every sport there is: the NBA, MLB, NFL, NHL, PGA, like all of them. Whatever you're into, the app is super sleek. It's easy to use. Entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. Withdrawals are safe and fast. Producer Jake has been raving about prize picks. He recently made entries on the NBA and NHL playoffs. He says that the interface is really simple and it's really easy to use, much easier than other fancy sports apps. And again, Jake actually took a a beating last night because he had LeBron uh, scoring more than 22 points and LeBron did not score more. LeBron broke, did you see the game last night? Like LeBron, LeBron blew like an open dunk because he was trying to showboat. And then he fell down on the job like a soccer Anyway. Different story. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive that 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code BEN. If you deposit 100 bucks, PrizePix gives you 100 bucks. Don't forget to enter promo code BEN at sign up for that instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, so DeSantis is likely to enter the presidential race next week. He's already made the requisite filings. The polls right now show that Trump is the front runner and DeSantis is the guy trailing him. Now, how durable those polls end up being is anybody's guess. This is why I think that DeSantis' pitch to the donors, which, again, I agree with it, is that Trump is a a less sure candidate against Biden than DeSantis is, mainly because virtually everybody in the United States already has an opinion about Donald Trump, whereas there are a lot of voters who are undecided about Ron DeSantis. And what that means is it's very, very difficult to get people to vote for you in 2016 and then against you in 2020 and then for you again in 2024 or... If you're trying to switch people who voted twice against you, against you in 2016, against you in 2020, for you in 2024. Also, I don't know how Donald Trump plans to solve the dilemma of, he says the election was stolen from him in 2020 through sheer voter fraud and corruption in states run by Republicans, Arizona and Georgia. How does he plan to reverse that? And if you just say, well, he'll run a better campaign, but he says that he won last time and he still lost. So what what exactly, what's the actual solution? I agree with DeSantis' pitch. DeSantis has been telling a lot of the donor class that, he is the most credible Republican to win, because if you look at the swing state polls, Trump is trailing in virtually all the swing state polls. That happens to be true. I don't think that's going to have a lot of play in the Republican primary for the voters. The reason I don't think that's going to have a ton of play for a lot of the voters is because a lot of the voters are caught up in the fact that he won in 2016, Trump, that, that everybody said he was going to lose, including me in 2016. And then he won. He pulled the rabbit out of the hat. So that means that if you say he's going to lose this time, well, you could be just as wrong as you were in 2016. And while I think that is not a data driven argument, I think that it is a fair emotional argument for people to make. So that means that DeSantis is going to have to make a bit of a different pitch. And the pitch that he's going to have to make is not about Trump's electability, because who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? I mean, that was Romney's pitch in 2012 is his electability. So what exactly should the pitch be? Well, the pitch really should be that he is going to be a much more effective conservative who is able to take on the media in much more meticulous fashion than Donald Trump. Now, that is wrapped up with electability. Or the idea that if you are meticulous in how you approach the issues, you're more likely to wrong-foot Democrats than you are to spend your days talking about horse-faced like That's actually a pretty good electability pitch. But the thing I think that's going to appeal to conservatives is going to be him pointing out that, for example, Donald Trump actually blew it on COVID because Donald Trump did blow it on COVID. It was Donald Trump who was telling Ron DeSantis not to open up and Brian Kemp not to open up at the beginning of COVID. He gave the Medal of Freedom to Anthony Fauci and Dr. Deborah Burks. It was under Donald Trump, that we were told the lie. I mean, it was still the end of his administration that we were told the lie by the CDC that those shots, I believe them because it was Trump's administration. Why wouldn't you believe them? That the that the vaccine was going to stop transmission dead in its tracks. And so, you know, th- those are all rich areas for DeSantis to mine. And I assume that that is going to be the direction that DeSantis moves. He, again, he has, he has a lot to criticize Trump about over this sort of stuff. Trump has promised, for example, law and order. Well, in 2020, I saw mass riots in the streets and Donald Trump was supposed to be Captain of Law and Order. Where is the National Guard? People like Tom Cotton were calling for the National Guard. Donald Trump was the president. Could have called him out. Didn't. All right, so that's going to be the line that I think DeSantis is going to use. And that may be the area in which Trump's willingness to kind of throw everything up to, including the, the slop in the garbage pail at whomever he is fighting, actually does not benefit him. Because if DeSantis' whole shtick is, I'm running to his right and I'm consistent. And Trump's whole shtick is, I'll attack you with anything. Again, for his super fans, that'll work. For everybody else, That opens some questions. I don't think this primary is over, not by a long shot. Meanwhile, we're approaching the most holy time of the year, of course. It's the holiest time of the year. It is the sanctified season of Pride Month, beginning in June 1st. Prepare to have a unicorn vomit rainbows all over everything in your life. Literally everything. You'll go to the gas station and you'll be told that LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign is the most important thing happening in public life. It is the most important thing for you to buy into the agenda. You'll go to Target and it won't just be them giving out swimsuits to kids that allow your son to tuck his penis behind his uh, uh, underneath his undercarriage, which is literally the thing that Target is doing. You'll go there and it'll be everything. The rainbows will be everywhere because this is our Ford has now put out an electric Mustang uh, or an electric, uh, an electric F Ford F-150 with a giant rainbow on it. Oh, the masculinity. Ah, oh, it's going to be amazing. And, and the U.S. military and the U.S. military and the State Department. It's just it's. There is something called manufactured consensus, manufactured pseudo consensus. And this is what we are currently experiencing with regard to the LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign agenda. Americans do not agree with the extreme agenda. By polling data, Americans are now basically okay with same-sex marriage. I disagree because I think that that is not actually marriage. Marriage has a definition. Same-sex marriage does not fit that definition Any more than a, any more than a car fits the definition of a chair. These are just two very different things. But most Americans have made their peace with that. Okay, for, I think for worse, but many people think for better. All right, fine. What Americans have not made their peace with is the idea that you get to indoctrinate all children with the idea that all of these relationships are morally equivalent. You certainly don't get to indoctrinate the kids with the idea that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. Most Americans are not on board with this crap, but the entire media, like as a wave, as like a, just a, a wall, are in favor of this of this notion. And not just the media. This has now been infused into all of our government institutions' up to and including the U.S. military, which I'm sorry, is just ridiculous and pathetic. So according to Fox News, Representative Chip Roy on Thursday called for Republicans to drop support for a must-pass military funding bill after his office obtained an Air Force memo declaring June to be LGBTQ plus Pride Month. Because remember, the way that this works is that if you fly the gay pride flag, then you're truly American. If you fly the American flag, you might be a colonialist. The May 3rd memo shared with Fox News approves observance of Pride Month in June and empowers installation commanders to plan and conduct appropriate activities in honor of Pride Month, the most holy time of the year. Roy's office shared a flyer advertising Pride Month events at Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia, including a Pride game night on June 10th, a unity and diversity color run on June 16th, a panel discussion titled Our History, Our Time on June 28th. The memo says each June, the Department of the Air Force recognizes lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer Pride Month. During this time, we celebrate the progress we have made toward inclusivity, commemorate the contributions of LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign Americans and recognize the obstacles they have faced and overcome along the way. Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, Alex Wagner and Diversity and Inclusion Director, Marianne Malizia. So first of all, Diversity and Inclusion Director of the military is just the most Orwellian garbage I've ever heard of. They say this is a time to reaffirm our total commitment to equality and reinforce the importance of a cohesive and total and diverse total force. One team, one fight. Yeah, nothing says one team, one fight like uh, cramming down a version of morality that is widely disapproved of, particularly by many members of the military. So our military is moving in that direction. And again, you can look, that meme online, you know, the one that, that shows like Republican administrations to bomb falling over a foreign country, Democratic administration bomb falling over a foreign country, but it has a gay pride flag on it. That's pretty much where we are right now. Meanwhile, the State Department has now required that people use the pronouns. AP's Matt Lee actually asked the State Department spokesperson, why are you using, why are you like mandating that people put their pronouns in their questions?
2: The State Department's internal email system, and I've tested this, so okay. I know that it's true, has added pronouns to people's, uh, not their signature, but to their, uh, from where, where you know, where it says from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it will say him, he, his, or her, you know, or yeah. she, or her. Um, <clears throat> why? Uh, this is not an optional thing. This is something that has been just ar- ar- arbitrarily imposed and you know, I understand that people could have their pronouns attached if they wanted them to a signature before. But this is not something that anyone has a choice about. And so I'm just wondering, why and who who made this decision? Can you look into it because I I'd like I'm to happy know why, I'm happy
1: to look into it why I this just... would not
2: be an optional thing for people to do but the problem is is that a lot of them or at least some of them so far as far as I've been able to tell are wrong.
0: Well the State Department of course is trying to force this down literally everywhere. So the entire agenda is not just being forced down domestically, it's being forced down in terms of foreign policies. I mentioned yesterday. That's really crappy foreign policy. It turns out the vast majority of countries on earth for all of time do not agree with this agenda. It is the most radical part of the American agenda pushed by the left, and it's being pushed to foreign powers. But this is all part and parcel of a broader battle that is kind of fascinating inside the Democratic Party. So we talked about a lot of ideological battles inside the Republican Party. There is an emerging battle inside the Democratic Party, and that is a battle of intersectional victimhood. And it's really manifesting as sort of the shadow battle that's happening behind the scenes over who is the heir apparent to Joe Biden. Is it Kamala Harris or is it Pete Buttigieg? That battle is really quite fascinating. We're gonna get into that in just one second first. Everybody knows I love my Helix sleep mattress. Did you know they just launched their newest, most high end collection? This is the Helix Elite. Helix has harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. I've had my Helix sleep mattress for like five years at this point. It is just great. It is it was made just for me, right? I took that two minute Helix sleep quiz. It made me a firm but breathable mattress. As I say, my sleep patterns, I I need the sleep. I need it. And Helix Sleep makes it happen for me. You should do the same. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. Find the perfect mattress for your body and sleep type. Your mattress will come right to your doorstep for free. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews. Their financing options and flexible payment plans make it so a great night's sleep is never far away. For a limited amount of time, Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for our listeners. It's the best offer yet. Hurry on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. That's Helixleep.com slash Ben, helixsleep.com slash Ben. Also, if we're made in the image of God, it means there is an ethical and spiritual infrastructure behind the world. We're supposed to behave according to the God who made us in his image. Well, in the series Exodus with Jordan Peterson and a bunch of other experts on the Bible, they talk about this. Here's what it sounds like.
2: And isn't there an irony here that, for all the insistence upon equality, the very foundation for that equality in Western culture, i.e., the idea that human beings are made in the Imago Dei, in the image of God, has been lost, of (laughs) course. So it's almost as if, because of the erosion of this foundation, the drive for equality is stressed yeah. all the more. Well, that's that's it- exactly what Nietzsche. That's exactly what Nietzsche claimed would happen when he wrote.
0: Well, when he, particularly in Beyond Good and Evil, he said that was that was an inevitable. That would be an inevitable consequence. In addition to Douglas and Jordan, I sat down with a group of big thinkers from different backgrounds to explore one of the most seminal books in the Bible. All the episodes of Exodus are now available exclusively for Daily Wire Plus members. If you haven't seen it, start at the beginning. It's well worth your time. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to watch Exodus. Okay, meanwhile, well, the woke brigade has, uh, they've started a real battle, and it's, it's kind of fascinating because... Who has the upper hand in this battle? The Democratic Party has not yet decided. They, they, they refuse to acknowledge that there's actually a conflict inside the Democratic coalition. So on the one hand, Democrats suggest that the most important part of their coalition is people of minority status. And by people of minority status, I mean racial minorities, blacks, Hispanics, kind of, Asians, mm. mostly. Their, their chief focus since 2020 has been Black Lives Matter because the idea in 2012, this is true, is that Barack Obama got an extraordinary percentage of the black vote and huge turnout in places like Ohio, and it made the entire difference in his election. And so they've been trying to duplicate that ever since. And so Black Lives Matter was largely about that in 2020 on behalf of Joe Biden. The fact is that without the black vote, Joe Biden probably is not the nominee in 2020. He loses in Iowa, he loses in New Hampshire, but then he cleans up in South Carolina, largely thanks to the heavy share of black voters who were fond of Joe Biden, not because they love Joe Biden, but because he was Barack Obama's vice president and because he was also endorsed by particularly strong members of the, of the legislature in, in South Carolina who are black, right? Like that, 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 was, that was the big thing. Okay, so on the one hand, inside the Democratic Party, when they look at, you know, this doddering elderly white man, he's sort of the figurehead. But you have an undercover battle, and that battle is, quote unquote, BIPOC people versus the radical left-wing gender agenda. These two things do not live comfortably together. If you poll black Americans about how they feel about transgendering the youth, not into it. If you ask black Americans how they feel about gay marriage, significantly less likely than the general population to be in favor of same-sex marriage, for example. The same thing is true among Hispanics. These are much more socially conservative populations than white progressive liberals. And by the way, those white progressive liberals are actually even more progressive on racial issues than black and Hispanic people are by every available metric. So you have a conflict. You have, is the future of the party? minority, majority coalition in which the values and and social ideas of people who are black and Hispanic sort of lead the way? Or is it going to be the social values of the people who are progressive leftists? Now, they've formed what they think is a durable coalition. That durable coalition theoretically is Well, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I'm in favor of Black Lives Matter, and you're in favor of transing the kids, and we'll all get together in the middle, and that will be our agenda. And Joe Biden has sort of papered over that because, again, he's an elderly figurehead for a party that's just anti-Trump. That is basically what the Democratic Party is at this point. They just don't like Donald Trump, and Donald Trump is the point of commonality for all of these groups. But if you were to suggest that the typical black voter in a Democratic primary in South Carolina has much in common with the typical white Democratic voter in Iowa, no, no, sir. The way that you can tell this, by the way, is by the South Carolina primary results back in, back in 2020 on the Democratic side. If you look at the actual South Carolina Democratic primary results there, Pete Buttigieg did not even chart. So Pete Buttigieg wins Iowa. And then Pete Buttigieg does fairly well in New Hampshire. And then Pete Buttigieg in that South Carolina Democratic primary, he shows up at 8.2%. Elizabeth Warren, favorite of the far left whiteies. Biden got 48% of the vote in that particular primary. Contrast that, by the way, with the results in Iowa. And you see that in Iowa, which is a very, very, very white state, Pete Buttigieg ended up with like 25% of the vote, 26% of the final vote. Joe Biden ended up at 16%. Same thing in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire, Bernie and Pete, again, very white candidates, they won 25% of the vote and 24% of the vote as opposed to Biden who won 8% of the vote. So on the one hand, if you look to the future of the Democratic Party, you have Kamala Harris's side of the party. Kamala Harris's entire appeal is not the social left wing appeal. Her appeal is basically I am intersectional black woman I am black woman vice president. That's her entire appeal. And on the other side, you have Pete Buttigieg, who is the representative of the college educated white ladies who vote in Iowa primaries. The, and that, that's going to be the fa- honestly a fascinating Democratic battle. And it's starting to break out in the open now. And I don't think that that coalition is particularly durable. What's amazing about the Buttigieg versus Kamala sort of shadow battle that's happening behind the scenes in the Democratic Party is just how obnoxious both of them are. It really is truly an amazing thing. So Pete Buttigieg gave an interview to Wired magazine. This is, I think, the worst piece I have ever read. I mean, it's by Virginia Heffernan. I cannot believe how bad this piece is. So Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, you know his name for two reasons. One, he is gay. And two, planes are falling out of the sky and trains are falling off the rails. The piece is titled, Pete Buttigieg Loves God, Beer, and His Electric Mustang. Sure, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation has thoughts on building bridges. But infrastructure occupies just a sliver of his voluminous mind. Now, when I first read this, I was like, is this a parody? It is not a parody. This is how the media act. again, this is how white, middle-aged, progressive ladies think about Pete Buttigieg. They want him to be the standard bearer. Why? Well, because, you know, he went to Harvard and then he worked at like McKinsey and he was a Rhodes Scholar and he learned Norwegian in very rudimentary fashion, just that he could read a book. Woo hoo hoo hoo. And of course, he's extremely gay and he likes to talk about how his gayness is a facet of his of his spirituality and it has something to do with Christianity or something. Pastor Pete likes to lecture everybody else who's been apparently misreading the Bible for the several for the last several thousand years. He has discovered new realms of imagination inside the Bible, inside his voluminous mind. So here is Virginia Heffernan writing about Pete Buttigieg. Quote, the curious mind of Pete Buttigieg holds much of its functionality in reserve. Even as he discusses railroads and airlines, down to the pointless data that is his current stock and trade, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation comes off like a Mensa black card holder who might have a secret go habit or a three-second Rubik's Cube solution or an act for supplying off the top of his head the day of the week for a random date in 1404, along with a non-condescending history of the Julian and Gregorian calendars. I, I didn't make that up. That's a thing a human wrote. It's not written by like a progressive AI. That is that is one of the worst paragraphs I've ever read. And I don't know how she's going to be able to remove her head from Pete Judge's colon after that. That is, that is insane. Mensa black card holder who might have a secret go habit? It, but wait, it gets worse. As Secretary Buttigieg and I talked in his underfurnished corner office one afternoon in early spring, I slowly became aware that his cabinet job requires only a modest portion of his cognitive powers. Other mental facilities, no kidding, are apportioned to the Iliad, Puritan historiography, and now at spring, although not in the original Norwegian slacker. Fortunately, he was willing to devote yet another apse in his cathedral mind, to to making his ideas about three mighty themes, neoliberalism, masculinity, and Christianity, intelligible to me. Ah, he has emerged from on high. He, in all of his great wisdom and intellect, has emerged from the cathedral apse of his mind in order to bestow upon us all of his wisdom, all of his wisdom. By the way, what is the wisdom of Pete Buttigieg? Uh, It's stupid. So, the wisdom of his cathedral mind includes the notion that the right is defined by two things, lowering taxes and stopping legal access to abortion. Quote, those are kind of the two greatest pillars of the mainstream right now. They're now the dog that caught the car. And to switch metaphors, they rode a tiger to get there. They made a lot of distasteful bargains in order to get there. Wow, the genius. Wait till you get his take on masculinity, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, should go back on paternity leave where he belongs. Here's what he says, quote, fears about masculinity are a way into the fear of displacement. Masculinity establishes a default place, and that place is being shifted and threatened by modernity. A man is the head of the household, the only one who earns income, the default leader in any social or political organization. The politicization of masculinity is code for nothing in your life has to change. The problem is, of course, lots of things has to change, either because there was something wrong with the old way or because even as the old way seemed perfectly fine, it's not an option. This is true with the reality of climate change. If you can't face that change, you might retreat to the default place of masculinity. That, that's right. So if you think that an entire political movement declaring that boys are girls and girls are boys and that men have no place in the family structure, that mothers, single mothers are just as good as for a child, as a man and a, and a woman, or that two men is the same thing as a man and a, and a woman. You don't think that. That is because you just fear change. This is basically just a dumbed down version of Barack Obama's bitter clingers remark from like 2007, 2008, where he declared that all of his political opponents were clinging to God, guns, and religion because they feared change. It's the same exact crap that all of these pseudo-intellectuals on the left believe, and it's just ridiculous. But this is what the left loves. They love it. What they love most of all is Pete Buttigieg talking about the Bible. They love when Pastor Pete starts breaking out the Bible talk, even though, again, he seems to ignore certain uncomfortable sections of the Bible. And my favorite part of this is where she asks him, Virginia Heffernan, she asks Pete Buttigieg about Scripture. Here, here's what she asks. Quote, are there... The, are there more ways the challenges of transportation speak to your spiritual side? Pete Buttigieg, talking about Secretary of Transportation, quote, There's just a lot in the scriptural tradition around journeys, around roads, right? The conversion of St. Paul happens on the road. I think we are all nearer to our spiritual potential when we're on the move. Something about movement, something about travel, pulls us out of the routines that numb us to who we are, to what we're doing, to everything from our relationships with each other to our relationships with God. That's part of the reason why so many important things in the Bible happen on highways. And then Journeys, they're also just marvels. Oh, um, Oh, he's awful. Oh, he's, but they, but they love it. They love it. So this is, this is the side of it. But, by the way, Pete Buttigieg does actually talk like this. If you think Virginia Heffernan is just making this up wrong, here's Pete Buttigieg actually talking about climate change. He's, you would not want to be at a dinner party with this guy under any circumstances whatsoever.
1: Hello, I'm
2: U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. And I want to thank the Austria oh no. World Summit for inviting me to say a few words today. And I want to recognize all of the leaders who are gathered here for your continuing commitment to addressing the global challenge of climate change. It's clear to all of us by now that climate change is a major threat to security and prosperity everywhere. Now, stories of climate disaster have always been on humanity's mind in some fashion, dating back to ancient legends and scriptural traditions in nearly every faith, telling of floods, fires, and other calamities the doing climate the challenge in front of us is not some prophecy of cosmic doom. It is a specific set of problems. Oh,
0: my God. Now, back in ancient times, when you read the Epic of Gilgamesh, you will see a flood story. And that speaks to me as Secretary of Trump. He's so awful. He's awful. They made him sort of the apex predator of left-wing radical gender ideology. people That's the only reason they're looking at this mediocre white guy who was the poor mayor of a of a very small town in Indiana, and they're like, this guy should be president of the United States. So he that he represents that the white what here he's what the white progressive lady's like. And then there's the second half of the Democratic Party. And that is represented supposedly by Kamala Harris. Now, even among black Americans, black Americans are not like I love Kamala Harris. She is just the best. But she's what a white progressive lady's idea of what black people want is. It's it's really, it's really quite astonishing. So we'll get to that in just one moment. The other half of the intersectional battle happening inside the Democratic Party. First, we have a dog. His name is Happy. Happy is extremely cute. So each and every morning, my son gets Happy up. He takes him out to to pee. He brings him back in. They put him in the pen. And then about 10 minutes later, my son goes over there, opens the pen, starts making strange noises designed to get Happy, to charge around the house at top speed. And they chase him around. It's very, very cute. We want Happy to live a long and happy life, which is why we started giving him rough greens every morning. The dog food you've been giving to your dog is gross. It is dead food. It has very little nutritional value. It doesn't exactly scream nutritional, you know, like the brown pellets. Rough greens boosts Happy's food back to life. It can do the same for your dog as well. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle some rough greens on their food every day. It contains all the necessary vitamins and minerals your dog is not getting from their regular dog food. Rough greens is the only supplement your dog will ask for by name because rough, rough, get it? Get it? It's a pun. It's a pun. Happy loves the rough greens. His energy is great. Naturopathic doctor, Dennis Black, he's the founder of rough greens. Is so confident that this product will improve your dog's health. He's offering my listeners a free jumpstart trial bag. So head on over to freeruffgreens.com slash Ben. Let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. That's free. R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Ben today. Or call 833-MY-DOG-33. That's 833-MY-DOG-33. So the other half of the Democratic constituency, supposedly. And again, remember, the Democratic Party is an elite institution. What that means is the people at the very top of the Democratic Party don't actually represent black Americans. A bunch of white people in a back room somewhere who went to Ivy League colleges deciding what black people want. So they have a split. One half of this white elite that runs the Democratic Party wants the Democratic Party to essentially be Pete Buttigieg. The other half says, no, 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 it's got to be Kamala Harris because she is so intersectional. There's one problem. Kamala Harris is totally bad at this. I mean, here's Kamala Harris yesterday and she starts laughing. Kamala Harris's laugh, man, that, that thing could shatter glass. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Oof
2: first question let's start with your favorite song of all time oh my favorite song of all time
0: i was gonna Uh. say something from bootsy Mm -hmm.
2: but (laughs) we love (laughs) that i mean i don't know if your viewers know funkadelic yeah okay (laughs) i mean i am 28
0: So she's terrible at this, but there is a, so there are two, again, the Pete judge narrative is gay Americans are being victimized by the evil Bible thumpers. to judge will vindicate them and their interests against the evil white superstructure. He is a member of a victimized minority. The other narrative is Kamala Harris is a member of a victimized minority. She is a black woman who is only vice president because she's a black woman, but that's just evidence that America is a deeply racist and terrible place. And this manifests In the repeated incidents that we are seeing literally every day online, in which some random white person becomes the villain of the day for no reason that anybody can discern. For no reason that literally anybody can discern. So the latest example of this is there is a a Bellevue Hospital employee who apparently rented a bike from City Bike. And then a young black man tried to take the bike from her and she was upset about that. And this turned into an example on social media of white people being, quote-unquote, Karens, meaning that they're casually racist for no reason just because they're white. Ben Crump, who is a racial ambulance chaser, all he does is he finds tragic situations or non-tragic situations to jump into the middle of and then pretend that America is a deeply racially biased and horrible place that he can get those big checks. He started tweeting out about all of this, suggesting, of course, that this white lady is super duper terrible. He tweeted out, this is unacceptable. A white woman was caught on camera attempting to steal a city bike from a young black man in New York City. She grossly tried to weaponize her tears to paint this man as a threat. See, when white women cry because they're being victimized, it's not because they're actually being victimized. It's because they're weaponizing their tears. This is exactly the type of behavior that has endangered so many black men in the past. Oh, it's endangering the black man. Right? When women cry because they're being abused, if the woman is white and the man is black... That's her weaponizing her tears, and that could end with the death of the black man or something," says so Ben Crump. Okay, so here's the actual video. Help! Why you took his phone? What's wrong with you? You're not touch his phone! are not touch his phone! I'm not touching you! You put a your stomach on
2: my head! Madhu, stop! Madhu, no. no, stop! No, dude, stop. No, 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 no!
1: I said no! I said sit down!
0: Please Please so
1: she's
2: she's me just me crying me. You're not crying. You're
0: not crying. I got stupid. I got your video.
2: bike. Wait, you, you, so they're mocking
0: her. They're videoing her. They're treating her like she's bad. This is a nurse at Bellevue Hospital.
1: Why? Alright, so why don't we set reset the bike? I'm not resetting the bike. It's his. It's his. It's his. It it You're you active. That's just client. Guys, just stop She's clients. just
0: sitting there hey, stop touching why me. Why don't touch A bunch me. of young black men yelling at this white woman not to cry Stop crying, Stop. by the way, they're stealing her bike Okay, that's what this actually turned out to be So they claimed that she tried to steal their bike They tried. This is what they tried to claim Now, as it turns out, according to the New York Post The lawyer for a Manhattan hospital worker accused of taking a city bike from a young black man Who claimed that he paid for the two-wheeler Provided receipts that he says show she was the one who purchased the ride at the center of the viral incident. The Bellevue Hospital employee who was branded a Karen. Okay, so again, in America, the way that this works is that we are allowed to have racial terms for white women who are apparently just guilty of being, what they are Karens now. They are Karens. She rented the bike first, according to her lawyer. He provided two city bike receipts for May 12th, which were stamped just minutes apart. The first receipt reviewed by the post shows the bike being taken out before it was relocked one minute later which Marino said is the bike scene in the video. The second receipt shows another bike being taken out a minute later from the same docking station and was the bike Marino said his client used to get home after being heckled and pressured to find a new bike by the group. The hospital employee, who Marino says is a six-month pregnant physician assistant, but she's, she's bad, guys. She's bad. White lady tears. White lady tears. Was placed on leave. On leave by New York City Health and Hospitals this week. After her heated encounter with the men emerged online Saturday and has been viewed tens of millions of times. Marino called the caught-on-tape interaction incomplete and lacking. By the way, even in the tape, what is she doing that's so wrong? She's holding the bike, she's crying, and she's calling for help. That's that's the thing that she did that's super-duper wrong? By the way, if all the youths were white and the lady was white, I don't think anybody would have any trouble identifying exactly what was going on. Or if the lady were black and all the youths were black, nobody would have any trouble identifying what is going on. It's a bunch of young men who are larger than the woman grabbing a vehicle from the woman. Normally, this would fall under believe-all women, would it not? Typically, it would a six month pregnant employee at a hospital versus a bunch of young men who are trying to grab the bike and filming her while doing it. And she's crying. But because she's white and they're black, this obviously changes everything. According to her lawyer, he said after the healthcare worker wrapped up her 12 hour shift, she got on an available bike, which no individuals were on or touching and paid for it through the city bike app on her phone. As she backed up from the docking station, a group of five people approached her and claimed the bike was theirs, he said. One or more individuals in that group physically pushed her bike with her on it back into the docking station, causing it to relock. One of the individuals then covered the bike's QR code, stopping her from paying for it again so she could leave. In blocking the QR code, the individual's arm was touching my client's pregnant stomach, a condition of which she had made them aware. Throughout this time and for the remainder of the video, roughly five individuals were telling her to get off the bike and heckling her. The fact that anyone would treat another person like this is tragic, especially a visibly pregnant woman, he said. The roughly 90 second clip that begins mid-confrontation shows the woman dressed in hospital branded scrubs screaming for help as she tugs at the bike. The young man kept man kept his grip on the bike's handlebars and repeatedly told the woman he had already paid to use that particular bike and it wasn't yours. Get off me, get off me, you're hurting my fetus, the woman then shouted as she pushed the man away. I'm not touching you, you're putting your stomach on my hand, the man replied. Halfway through the clip, the hospital worker appears to start crying as another man in the same scrubs approached the melee to see what was going on. Some social media users called the interaction racist. And others compared it with the situation when Amy Cooper called the police on a black bird watcher in 2020 and lost her job over that. By the way, that incident was also a bunch of crap, as it turned out. In that particular incident, it turns out that the person Amy Cooper, Amy Cooper called the cops on literally threatened to harm her dog to her, you will recall. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The, the, the idea was that she was a racist. If you're a white person... Then I guess the idea in the in the mainstream media and in social media spheres is that you have an obligation to be victimized. By people of, by the way this also ties into the Jordan Neely case. Right Jordan Neely was actively threatening people on the subway. And a white person put him in a in a submission hold and then he died. And the idea was that Jordan Neely apparently had a right to threaten people on the subway system because no one could stop him certainly not a white person. Hey how does this so These are the dual moralities that the Democratic Party is going to have to choose. And they're not, they're mutually exclusive. The the upper class progressive mentality that says people who judge ought to be your nominee is not the the mentality, largely, by the way, not pushed by black Americans, largely pushed by progressive white people, that the way to victory is to racialize pretty much everything. That story is insane and it demonstrates the, oh man, the pathetic nature of our politics. It's just disgusting. Okay, meanwhile, Yesterday, there was a whistleblower hearing on the Hill. The way that this works is if you're a left-wing whistleblower, you are a hero, a la the member of the national security team who was leaking information about Donald Trump's Ukraine phone call. That guy's a hero. Uh, Alexander Vindman, he, he was a hero. But if you're a whistleblower and you are not in favor of left-wing positions, then this means that you are super-duper bad. So there was a an, a, a hearing, an FBI whistleblower hearing, yesterday at the House Select Committee on the weaponization of the federal government in which three suspended FBI agents, Garrett O'Boyle, Steve Friend, and Marcus Allen, testified to detail the alleged abuses of power by the federal government, ranging from discrimination against conservatives to inflation of domestic terrorism statistics. Democrats immediately started ripping into these agents and suggesting, of course, that they are corrupt. So here's FBI Special Agent Garrett uh, Garrett O'Boyle saying that the FBI is, in fact, systemically designed to crush people who try to expose the truth. If one of your really good friends, your former colleagues came to you and said, I have this thing that is being covered up and I think the American people know to know, need to know about it. What advice would you give them?
2: I would tell them first to pray about it long and hard. And I would tell them I could take it to Congress for them or I could put them in touch with Congress, but I
0: would advise them not to do it. So you would legitimately try to protect one of your colleagues from doing what you have done. Absolutely. And how do you think that solves being able to shine light on corruption, weaponization, any kind of misconduct that exists with the American people? It
2: doesn't solve it. But the FBI will crush you. This government will crush you and your family if you try to expose the truth about things that they are doing that are wrong. And we are all examples of that.
0: Well, Democrats came in like a hammer here. So Democratic Representative Plaskett, Stacey Plaskett, I believe her name is, Uh, She uh, suggested that even investigating the weaponization of the FBI is a form of defunding the police. You must trust the FBI, folks. It's important, according to Democrats, that you now trust the FBI. Less than two months ago, former President Trump, facing mounting investigations into his many alleged crimes, declared that, quote, Republicans in Congress should defund the DOJ and the FBI until they can come to their senses. And we all know that when Trump says jump, the Republicans in the House say, how high? So here we are, on Police Week, watching House Republicans jump to lay the foundation to defund law enforcement. My colleagues on the far right are on a mission to attack, discredit, and ultimately dismantle the FBI. This is defund the police on steroids. Um. Yeah. So this is their take: is that the FBI is good? Also, whistleblowers are bad, according to Democratic Representative Sylvia Garcia. These are all political pawns. If you're a whistleblower against the FBI, more than that, this hearing is an insult to the brave whistleblowers out there who do risk their careers for the good of their country. This circus of invented secret accusations puts at risk the critical role whistleblowers play in holding the power uh, powerful accountable. Most whistleblowers aren't interested in, in being political pawns in congressional Republicans' games. Playing politics is holding up this scheme as whistleblowers will make other public servants fearful of coming forward out of fear they'll just be used. So it, it is amazing. Democrats will flip on a dime. Whistleblowers are bad now, depending on what exactly they are whistleblowing about. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like today. So Guy Ritchie has a new movie out. It's called The Covenant. It's great. It really is a very, very good movie. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. The basic premise of the movie is that Jake Gyllenhaal is a soldier in Afghanistan, and his team is ambushed in a firefight, and his translator, his interpreter, an Afghan guy, saves his life. And then he goes back to the United States as Jake Gyllenhaal, and his interpreter is now being hunted down by the Taliban. He has to go back in and save his interpreter. The whole thing is very clearly a metaphor. For the situation that occurred because Joe Biden decided to cow- in cowardly fashion and pathetic fashion not only withdraw from Afghanistan but do so in disorganized, chaotic fashion that left tens of thousands of American allies to be slaughtered by the Taliban. That's what the movie really is about. It's it's really well shot. Guy Ritchie is a very talented director. The score is really an excellent score. Here is a bit of the preview.
1: Hey guys, meet Ahmed, our new interpreter. Why well, he wants this job? I need the money.
2: Money isn't the reason he wants this job. The Taliban killed his son
0: we don't want to go down this road
1: you're out of your bounds ahmed you're here to translate
0: actually i'm here to interpret
1: john you have Talies approaching the interpreter saved my life and now i have to go save his ahmed ended up with a price on his head from the taliban we can't intervene i am gonna have to get him out myself
0: by the way, that's exactly what ended up happening in real life, is that you literally had ex, you had Marine veterans and Army veterans who were literally going to Afghanistan during the withdrawal from Afghanistan and having to set up, without the approval of the U.S. government, really, ways to get people out who would help them while they were soldiers in Afghanistan. It, it, the great untold story of the 2024 election, if anybody has the balls to tell it, is going to be that Joe Biden's cowardly withdrawal from Afghanistan is the single sickest thing I've ever seen a president do in my entire life. It is pathetic. It was pathetic. He left people falling off a wheel wells because they were interpreters from the American military. It's truly, truly disgusting. The Covenant, very good movie, definitely worth the watch. Other things that I like today. So today, marks in Israel, Yom Yerushalayim, Jerusalem Day. It's the reunification of Jerusalem. This, of course, is considered a supposed disaster by members of the left because it was much better when Jerusalem was divided down the middle and when Christians and Jews were barred from visiting holy places. It is, again, an amazing thing that it should be in any way contentious that that Jerusalem should be united and under the auspices of a government that allows people of all faiths to pray where they want. Almost apparently, if you're a Jew, you're not allowed to pray, pray on the Temple Mount full-time. But uh, that is worth noting. Okay, time for a couple of quick things that I hate. Well, the hypocrisy of the left knows no bounds. If you're a well-connected lefty, the rules just don't apply to you, which is why the Washington Free Beacon reports that a California city is now going to make an exception to its natural gas ban for world-famous chef Jose Andres after the landlords for the chef's planned restaurant warned Andres may pull out over the regulation. So just just to point out the hypocrisy here, the entire media that is suggesting that Ron DeSantis is bad for business because he says that if a corporation takes tax benefits and then tries to trans the kids, that's bad. Ron DeSantis is bad. None of them have anything to say. It's left to the Washington Free Beacon to report on the fact that Palo Alto tried to ban gas stoves But then Jose Andres was like, "Uh, guys, I can't open a restaurant here because guess what? Gas stoves cook better than electric stoves. And so Palo Alto was like, "Okay, fine. We'll let you, Jose, you get the exception. After the owners of the mall where Andres is set to open the restaurant threatened to sue the city, Palo Alto administrators will allow Andres' Mediterranean restaurant, Zaitimia, to use natural gas lines, despite a new law this year that bans them in construction. The restaurant relies on traditional cooking methods that require gas appliances to achieve its signature complex flavors, said Anna Shimko, a lawyer representing the group that owns the shopping center. The lawyer argued the building's plans were approved in 2019, years before the gas ban was actually imposed. Now, Andres is uh, not only has he earned Michelin stars, but he's also a wild leftist. He actually got a medal from President Barack Obama. He appeared as a guest on Michelle Obama's food show for kids on Netflix. He's also a frequent advocate for fighting climate change. And he started a billion dollar fund to fight climate disasters and teamed up with politicians to create other climate initiatives. But apparently that doesn't apply to him. He's got to cook with the natural gas. Very, very important. Left-wing hypocrisy. It knows very few bounds. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the update on Sam Britton. You remember Sam Britton? That is a dude with a lot of baggage. If you're not a member, become a member and use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free and all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us.